to the Clock and Talk, an Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Tez. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And Tony, how are you, buddy? I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, Schwinn, how are you, champ? Doing very well, thank you. Hope you guys are doing well. Always, mate, always. Um, okay, Manchester United, 2-1 uh, result. Tony, what was your thoughts on that lineup, mate? Um, I mean, we all saw the squad that was travelling on on Saturday, um, so the day before the game, when we saw who was on the train on the way up, there was there was always a fear. Um, I fully agreed with us taking a weak squad because Thursday is obviously a lot more important. Um, and driving up to Manchester for the game yesterday, I've got to admit, I feared the worst. I thought we'd probably lose about 3-0. Um, and I, to be honest, I, I, don't, I think 3-0 I would have half been sort of content with I, I, I was going up there thinking just don't be embarrassed that was all I wanted from the game I mean no I wanted to win all I hoped for from the game was to not be embarrassed was it the team and, not and, be embarrassed or Wenger not be embarrassed or you <laughs> uh, either, no either or you never want to see your club embarrassed because when even when Wenger's gone if you lose that game 8-0 that gets mentioned in 10 years time still yeah. so it's nothing to do with a Wenger thing it was an Arsenal thing I didn't want to see Arsenal get embarrassed and of course I don't. I don't want to be there when a team gets embarrassed. Um, as I said, I, I've never. Luckily, I've never seen. Well, Bayern is probably the worst I've seen. The five ones, but um, yeah, you don't want to be there when you get embarrassed. But I don't want Arsenal to get embarrassed whether I'm there or not. I just don't want my club to be embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, Schwinn, what do you take away from the lineup, mate? A young lineup, four regular starters. As expected, as Tony said. What did surprise me, of course, as, as I'm sure for all Arsenal fans, was the inclusion of Marupanos. You know, it, it seemed like, you know, we will have to include some players in midfield that, uh, you know, are going to be used on Thursday as well. Kranit Chaka was one. We, of course, discussed the prospects of Welbeck starting or maybe Mkhitaryan featuring, you know, sharing the game uh, possibly. But, uh, you know, of course, we'll get to his debut. I was uh, surprised to see Ospina retain his position. I was surprised to see Hector Bellerin retain his position. Of course, Wenger had to play a balancing act. You know, you can't throw 11 inexperienced players in there. But it was, you know, Czech was someone who I think all of us expected to see. I mean, uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think about that and whether that was, you know, due to his hip injury, suspected hip injury. But... Bellerin is understandable. Ospina overchecked really did surprise me, though. Um, I thought, personally, I thought that probably meant that my check will start for against this Atletico on Thursday, but that's type of what I read out of it. But you just mentioned a hip injury. I wasn't even aware of that, so I'll go to Tony. Uh, well, he missed... Uh, what game was it? West Ham, he missed... Uh, through That's right. apparent injury but then he's played since so or was there a game before anyway he missed the game and then he came back in mm. so it was a bit like how injured is he I don't know I don't really know the full story I still expect Ospina to play on on uh, Thursday the biggest surprise for me was and Schwinn just alluded to it was Mavropanos overholding I don't think there was anything else that was too shocking um, but I, I assumed it would be Chambers and Holding together um, and I wouldn't have been surprised if Hector was given a rest just because we know full well he's going to have to play the full game on, on Thursday, injury permitting. But, um, yeah, the biggest surprise was Mavropanos over, over holding for me. I'll send Chabrilli's name up. Um, 
first game in an Arsenal jersey. Uh, what would what'd you take out of the young bloke? Well, just for the interest of our listeners first, can you repeat his name back to me, please? <laughs> Mafropanus? Oh, dear. Um, oh, baby, get that up, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I thought he had a good game. I thought, well, I thought he had a very good game. Um, it's the first time I've seen him, and I was quite impressed. He looks... Uh, in the flesh, I don't know whether what he looked like on TV, but in the flesh, he looked quite skinny for a centre-back, but he is a young boy, so maybe... Well, it wasn't showing, he wasn't out-muscled or anything, but he physically looks quite small. Um, not in terms of height, but in terms of width, shoulder width and, and bulk. So maybe that's something that they might look at bulking him up, or he may just be one of them people that is very strong, but has a slender frame, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he looked good, he looked calm, he looked composed, he seemed to read the game quite well. Um I know we've got a lot of questions on him later, so I'm not going to go too massively into it, but I was impressed with what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, just before, I don't want to get, like, like you say, with the questions later, but next season, looking at him, would you like him to stay or go online? It's very difficult. I don't want to judge someone based on, on 90 minutes. And look, it was a good 90 minutes, and if that's his level every week, then there's definitely a place for him in this squad. Mm. But we don't know that... A broken clock's right twice a day. I'm not saying he's a broken clock, but you, we don't know yet. If he does that, I would give him a run until the end of the season in the league, uh, playing him in the majority of games, or maybe missing one or two. Or what's that? Not missing two, but missing one of them. Mm-hmm. So they've got three league games left. I'd play him in at least two of them. And if he's at the same level in them two, then you'd say there's a place for him. If he is not at that level and he shows a different level then there's a decision to be made I would play him against Leicester uh, because Jamie Vardy I would assume will be playing up top for them and he is probably one of the hardest people to play against in the league I'm not saying he's the best but I'm saying he's one of the hardest to play against and if he has a good time against Vardy it will give you a better understanding of where he's at I think yeah okay uh, Schwinn what do you think of Mafrapanis? Wow, wow, twice in, in the same day. I'm on fire. That's new. I went practicing for about <laughs> half an hour, to be honest, boys, but anyway, just between us. <laughs> Go on. Uh, impressive. Yeah? Impressive, surely impressive. And this was also a test for Sven. You know, we've heard so much about him. When when Marbrapanos was brought in, it seemed like Arsenal was going to send him off on uh, for a loan. But of course, retaining him was obviously a big testament to Sven and and Dinos. And uh, I think we saw yesterday that uh, th- there is something um, there in terms of Sven's talent. You know, players can be hit or miss. If if he didn't have a good performance yesterday, we shouldn't have written him off. Just the same way, Tony doesn't want to jump to a conclusion, as should most Arsenal fans. Just just relax and be a little cautious about, you know, what prospects uh, Dinos has for the future. I, I would also be cautious about playing him, you know, a whole lot uh, as this season comes to a close, because I don't want us to vest in a lot of impetus onto this chap. You know, we have a gaping hole in our center back position. Some might even argue two center back players are required. I don't want Dinos to be one of those players, you know, right away, just based on one game. So we should see a bit more of him. We should be calculable. We should be patient and see where where he goes from here. But just on yesterday's performance, I thought he did really well. Uh, you know, Ch- Chambers and Dinos both had a very dif- difficult player to take care of in Lukaku, and. 
I would like to bring up Callum Chambers here as well because I thought he did a phenomenal job marshalling Lukaku. Uh, you know, of course, you you judge center backs in pairings, as I like to say, and without Chambers, uh, I don't think it would have been that good of a performance from either of them. I think there was there was a game earlier in the season. I I think I said to you boys, that's got to be the end of Chambers in an Arsenal jersey, and I. Tony might have said, oh, no, he might come back. I can't remember whether Tony agreed or not. But um, since that game, I think he's been pretty solid. Um, I'm just trying to think how many games he's started since then. Do you remember that game, Tony? Uh, I can't remember who it was against. I remember both of you two saying, that's it, he's done. I think it was Osterlunds at home or Osterlunds at home, however you say it, where he was all... It was Osterlunds at home, yep. Yeah, and I said it's not the end of him. And then a few weeks later, he had a very good game against someone. I can't remember who it was. Mm. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I do remember. And he was awful, and I can fully understand why you both said it, but it was probably a bit reactionary. He's the type of player that I think... Maybe next season we we keep we keep him or depending on the uh, manager coming in, I suppose. I don't know. Look, it's difficult because he did look like for me, and a lot of people may not agree, but for me, he was the better of the two centre backs yesterday. Not by much, but I thought he had a better game than Mavropanos. Um So it's difficult because when you when you see someone play like that, you can see there is a player in there, and you think, oh, I don't really. There's no reason to get rid of this bloke, but then. You are reminded of the games against Ostersons where he was awful. And, and Newcastle, I know he played at right back, so it's slightly different. But again, he was awful. So it's a tough one with him. If if you can get consistently out of him what he produced yesterday, then there's no reason he can't be at Arsenal for years and years to come. But consistency is going to be the key. Mm. Um, boys, I've got to touch base on it because a lot of my listeners, are, or our listeners, sorry boys, it's gone to the head a little bit. Um, the future captain <laughs> of Arsenal. <laughs> Granite Shacker. Here, here it comes. <laughs> he, um, he took the armband yesterday. Uh, what, what would you... Is the future captain Tony? Uh, no. And that'll be the end of Tony on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, on a serious note, um, look, I thought it was good for him to take that role. And 25-year-old, he's been the captain of Switzerland, uh, the captain of his former club, and now the captain of Arsenal, I think that's a pretty, pretty good achievement for a young bloke of 25 to, um, you know, to take take that at that age. Yeah, I think um, you look at that lineup yesterday, and he was probably the only candidate um, for me, anyway. I, 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 of them, eleven starters, I, I would have given it to him, but of a first team, I, I don't think for me he wouldn't be my captain. Mm-hmm. I thought Bellerin maybe, but yeah, I saw it saying Shaka. Um, Ospina, I think he's he's worn the uh, the armband before. Just just for the sake of argument, I have no problems with Shaka wearing the band yesterday. But just for the sake of argument, yeah, I'm hearing you too. Yeah, look, it was a bit of a surprise for me. I think uh, one of the boys, one of the lads, mentioned it, and I didn't even realise. I went, oh shit, that's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, that's enough of me dribbling on about Shaka for a minute because first goal, 16th minute, Pobka comes and scores. And, boys, I have to, and I'll go to Tony, that first goal, mate, I I have to type a, put a bit of blame on Shaka, um, unfortunately. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I literally watched the game back about half hour ago. Um, at the ground, no one blamed him. Um, obviously, we don't have the benefits of replays or anything. They don't even have a big screen at Old Trafford. Um, so I, I watched it back earlier. And it is poor from him. Uh, you've got to track your runner. That's not to say, even if he followed Pogba, he may still have scored. But you give yourself half a chance. On, on the flip side of that, and I know Schwim bring it up a few weeks ago, at Newcastle away, they hit the bar. And the ball bounced out and it bounced to Xhaka on the edge of the area. And he started an attack. And people were saying how good it was. He took up a very similar position yesterday, but the rebound happened to fall to Pogba. My problem is in that area, you've got defensive duties come first. So he should have uh, looked after his defensive duties first. I don't think it's as glaring as a mistake as it was. He, he done a similar thing against Watford, I think it was. Uh, but I think Watford was a lot worse. It was a lot more obvious. Um, than it was yesterday but yeah you, sh- you should track your runner um, but I-, I don't think it's as huge a mistake as some people are making out um, I heard they were going wild about it on Sky Sports at half time uh, calling him every name under the sun pretty much and I don't think it was of that level of a mistake Yeah look when I was watching it I I, I agree I, I probably prefer him to be tracking the runner more so than going in with a slide like he did um, I, I, it's, it's an area of his game he needs to work on I think um, I, I'm not a fan of the slide what do you uh, take on it like I don't know, they, look, they look good when they come off but really if you're, if you're having to slide tackle and it's something we don't appreciate in England if you're having to slide tackle it probably means you've already made a mistake mm. I remember I think it was it was either Xavi Alonso or PK when they came to England with Liverpool or, or Man United, whatever one it was, it was only one of them, said that they were reading an interview in the programme with a, with a youth team player and, and it said, what's your best aspect as a player? And the guy said, oh, my slide tackling is very good. And, and whoever it was, Alonso or PK, was disgusted by that. He was like, if you're having to slide, you're already making a mistake. You're out of position or you're doing something wrong. Mm. And in England, we don't appreciate that. We see a slide tackle, and I'm as bad as anyone else. We see a slide tackle, and if you win it, you start roaring. Yeah, go on, you've got the ball back. You've put them on their ass, blah, blah, blah. But in Spain, where the game is probably more technical, they see it as a weakness having to slide. Uh, and it's like, say, uh, Biscuits is probably the best, arguably the best defensive midfielder in the world. You never see him on his ass. No. Very, very rare you see him on his ass mm. because they in Spain they appreciate more timing and reading the game more than making these last ditch slide sliding tackles that yeah they may clean a few people out and look good but as I said they see it as if you're having to slide you're five yards out of position. Yeah, no, it's something you need to work on I think, and uh, you know it, 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 young 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 player. So, um, Schwinn, did you have anything to add on that first goal, mate? That's very well said by Tony. I think he raises a very good point. I mean, the slide wasn't ideal. You know, he had to do what he had to do. And credit to Pogba for, you know, for being able to retain the ball and, and you know, still move up the field. I think there's some blame on Maitland-Niles as well, because once Nelson loses the ball and the ball is played into midfield into Pogba, he's got all the space to run into. And Nelson, uh, Maitland-Niles did have a brilliant game, no doubt. He was very, very good in the middle of the park going up against the likes of uh, Matic and, and Pogba, you know, not just technically good and calm, but also physical beasts. And I thought Maitland Lanz did very well. But for that that particular play, I, I think his recovery was a bit too slow. Maybe he was, you know, hoping that Gronchaka would be able to take care of the danger. 
but you have to assume the worst when when someone like Paul Pogba is surging up the field and it's still early in the game. I mean, they had a couple of, you know, chances already. We suffered a couple of scares, not to say we didn't attack where there were a couple of chances where we were able to, you know, get a decent position off field and, and, and try and threaten their goal. But I think there is a little bit of blame on Maitland-Niles as well in, in that goal. And of course it, it was a bit unlucky eventually, you know, Alexis's shot was blocked. Uh, and once it hit the post, it just fell very kindly to Pogba. So you can't really get mad at, at, at the team for that. There were some individual errors, but at the end of the day, I think it was more down to bad luck than anything. And then I uh, will go on because then our future captain on the 24th minute gets a yellow card, Tony. Yeah, again, I've not seen this back because it wasn't on the highlights package I watched, but it looked like from my view in the stand that the ball was gone, but it probably was a foul. And it's one of them, if it gets given, you're going to get booked. But it may have not been given because the ball was gone. Again, I could be wildly wrong. This is just what I saw from from my view in the stadium. But what was a bit annoying about that is Herrera probably made that same foul three times during the game and didn't get booked. And Ashley Young made very similar fouls a couple of times and didn't get booked. So while I probably wouldn't argue that that is a booking if it gets given, there was just no consistency from the ref. Mm. And this is, a, this is my worry, you know, that 20... And I, I know it's... I'm trying to, you know, it's not exactly what went went down, but he went in for that slide tackle on the against on the 16th minute that uh, where, where they scored, but then 20 on the 24th minute gets a yellow. He didn't go for the ball on that slide tackle, and if he had a trip, Pogger up, it would have been a would have been a yellow. A couple of minutes later, there's another another yellow, which is a red, and that that's the stupidity of his game that I don't like. Um, no, I don't. I don't think that's probably that accurate because you play this situation. If he's on a book in, in from the 16th minute, and by the way, if he had fouled Pogba there, it would have been a very good foul, um, obviously because they led on to score three seconds later. But had he been on a book in, then that he completely changes the way he he tackles. Um, I think it was Lingard. Uh, if you're on a book in, you know, it's after he got booked. He, I mean, there's people saying he should have been sent off for handball again. I haven't seen it again, but it didn't look like a blatant handball from where I was sitting. But after that, he didn't go to ground once or not need, not needlessly anyway. There was even one True. 50-50 where you'd expect any player to go to ground, and but he stayed on his feet just to, so he didn't have that chance to be sent off. Whereas last season, he definitely would have gone to ground and potentially got sent off for it. So He's I think... You, yeah, and he played the situation. As I said, once you're on a booking, you have to be a bit more careful. So, listeners, I'm not all biased. <laughs> now, on the one thing that I was thinking, I don't, and I don't really give a fuck what Manchester United do. Um, however, I thought it was an interesting sub. Rashford went off in the 50th minute. Uh, sorry, Lukaku went off, and Rashford come on in the 50th minute. Um, and they're only up 1-0 at that stage. Schwinn? Yeah, it comes back to the point that Chambers did. You know, I just want to bring that up again because I think he did a very, very good job on Lukaku. Uh, from from the telly, what it seemed like, and Tony was probably was better placed to, to see what was happening outside of my frame, but it seemed like there was a collective responsibility on organizing the defense with Chambers taking the lead in the first half. And... Of course, what the incident that took place was Dinos on Lukaku, and it was a crunching challenge. 
So this this kid is definitely cut out for, you know, when it comes to English football and its physicality, which, again, was something we struggled with, especially upfield. I thought the likes of Nelson um, and maybe even to an extent Iwobi were dominated physically, although Iwobi did well on certain occasions because I think he uses his body well, especially when plays centrally. But it, it was a four sub. I think United had one eye on the FA Cup final, which they play in two or three weeks, three weeks, I think. So I don't know the extent of the injury. I couldn't be bothered, but it was good to see young kids, not especially in defense, not being phased by you know a, a specimen, a physical specimen like like Lukaku. Mm-hmm. Um, was it any different at the ground for you, Tony? Well, I mean, Lukaku was injured. I don't know what the injury was, so the change was sort of enforced. Okay. Um, I was surprised they went with Rashford because we wasn't really allowing them spacing behind. We defended very deep, not not too deep until the last 10 minutes, but we defended quite deep. Um, and we all know Rashford's at his best when he's got space to run in behind. So I was surprised that was the sub they made, um, given the game situation. But yeah, Lukaku had to go off and and it was Rashford they bring on. Um, now, in the 50th one minute, Arsenal score, level at 1-1. Um, I didn't realise Shaka got the assist for that. Just trying <laughs> to... Yeah, OK. Anyway, it was a good goal, um, good goal. by Mkhitaryan. Tony? Shaka appreciation pod today, huh? <laughs> well, I just... I, I remember him passing it over. Yeah, fuck, I'll have to watch that back again now. No, I mean, you're right. Uh, and I let Tony take command in this, but uh, I think we're going to hear a lot on Gran and Shaka today. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was a mistake. It was good pressing by Arsenal, but it was a mistake from United and one you didn't don't really expect them to make. But then you also don't really expect Xhaka to get to the ball because he's not really blessed with pace. Um, and it looked like it was beyond him, but he, he nicked the ball and played simple ball to Mkhitaryan. I actually thought the chance was gone. Uh, Mkhitaryan could have slid in a Bamiyang. And saying that, I watched it back, as I said, about a half hour ago, and it, the chance didn't, it doesn't look like there was much of a chance to slide him in. But when, when I was there, it looked like it was the, the obvious decision was to try and play a Bamiyang in. And I thought the chance was done, gone because Mkhitaryan had a similar chance in the first half where he took it onto his left foot and ended up running into traffic and, and going down, and it wasn't a penalty. Um, so I thought the chance was gone but a uh, great finish from Mkhitaryan the moment the ball goes through a defender's legs a keeper's always going to struggle um, but yeah good hit good goal wish he celebrated but um, yeah good goal and so Mkhitaryan was excellent he deserved it if there's any player on the pitch that deserved the goal it was Mkhitaryan yeah I was, I was happy to see Mkhitaryan score it was a good goal it was always good to see him score against his old club as well um you enjoyed that, Schwinn? Very much so. I think, as Tony said, he had an incredible game. You know, he he was sharing that free role a little bit with uh, Iwobi. And out of the two, of course, it was him that was, you know, pulling the strings, making things happen. I think we lacked that final ball yesterday. And when we were able to pull it out of the bag, especially from, you know, Hector Bellerin crosses, it just it just didn't meet with uh, the target in the box. Except that one time when Aubameyang, you know, sh- sort of, I think, shouldered the ball instead of heading it to right in De Gea's hands. But very well done by Shaka, uh, of course, to win that ball, retain possession, and then uh, free Mkhitaryan, who just had a run. I think it was Chris Smalling, maybe, who was uh, who was the last defender. 
and uh, he just left David De Gea, you know, completely stranded. So good finish. From there, there was some hope that kicked in because we were de- defensively, we were very organized yesterday uh, up until about the 70th or 80th minute. So there was, you know, hope instilled in me, as I'm sure with you guys and other Arsenal fans. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said on the pro- uh, on the previous podcast, that I was just praying to the Lord that Mkhitaryan will be free for Thursday. Let's hope that little knock he picked up um, is not going to stop him from traveling and featuring uh, at the Metropolitano. Yeah, sorry, boys. I was just uh, watching Jacker's Shaka do that assist. Um, that was a good assist too. Fuck. No, <laughs> um, get over it. Like, I didn't realise he'd done the assist. So. Okay, so Welbeck okay, goes so off. Goes off. Tony Nelson comes on. What was your thoughts on Nelson's performance when he came on, mate? The other way around. Nelson started. Nelson started. Welbeck came on. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think Reese had the best of games. Uh, it showed that, I mean, United are a very strong, physical and big team. And at times, Nelson looked like a little boy on the pitch compared to, to some of their players. Um, and it's not an age thing. It's a physicality thing because because uh, Maitland-Niles is only a year or two older. Um, but I think where he's had more first-team football, he's been out on loan to Ipswich. Um, I think it showed that he's more used to the physicality of, of a game like that. Uh, so Nelson, he looked he looked bright and he looked interested at running at people and driving us forward, but there was there was no real end product. And as I said, at times he lost the ball just through purely not having the physicality uh, that was needed. Um, I think from based on yesterday and and his other games this season, I think he would benefit from a loan uh, out next year. It's a difficult one because I think he would need to stay in the Premier League. Just due to the the pure ability he has, but I don't know if other teams would be wanting to play him due to his lack of physicality. So it is a tough one, um, but I, I think he would benefit a hell of a lot from having a lot of uh, regular football next season. And I'll stick with you, Klozenac. He went off Monreal on um, first with Sona Klozenac for a little while, isn't it? Yeah, so by all accounts, he's still carrying an injury. Um, he went off injured yesterday, and there, from what I've seen, there was no contact. It was a muscular injury, so I don't know if it was something that's been nagging away at him at a, what, for a while. Um, but uh, that's all I can really say on it. I thought he, he had a good 60 or so, however long he played. I thought he looked untroubled, really. Um, but if he is carrying a knock, he's carrying a knock, and there's not much you can really do about it. Um, there's not much more we can go on apart from that next goal. Uh, Schwinn, 90th minute, and they get a goal. Very unfortunate because, you know, this was one of our youngest squads to to play in the last few years. And to see them perform the way they did for the first 90 was was humbling almost. I thought the organization was very good. I thought the decision-making in certain instances was, was very good. What was wrong was corrected in the second half. I think Nelson sort of shied away from his defensive responsibilities for the majority of the first half, but then sort of picked himself up. I think Arson probably had a word with him and uh, and was then capable of, of delivering when it came to you know following um, Antonio Valencia. But we had a, you know, we had a trailer of this almost with just a couple of minutes before the actual goal happened. And of course, Rashford was correctly, uh, you know, deemed offside. But it's such a 
such a cruel, cruel goal to concede that late on. A good goal from Fellaini. I'll give him that because you know he was facing away from goal, and you know his height, his his physicality, of course, helped him to to get his head on it. He did well to score, but uh, you know should Ospina be doing better there? I think so. You know I don't think the ball had that much pace on it for for a goalkeeper not to at least get a hand on it. But as I said, a very very cruel goal to concede. I'm still very proud of the performance. I'm sure both all three of us are. But just, you know, it's hard to see Arson not picking up a point. It's hard to see these boys distraught, which, as Arson said, these boys were after the game in the locker room. But a very, very positive highlight, you know, when it comes to a, a new manager looking backwards at some of these performances. And arguably, Arsenal fans will be more proud, despite the result, than United fans will be, considering, you know, the, the quality United fielded out to, you know, to play us. Tony, I'll address the elephant in the room because it's going to be a question that people are going to ask. Um, that back line, 1-1, uh, you're against Manchester United. You've got a team of young players. Is that a team that we should have played, used more throughout uh, the season? No, look, I think that that's, that's a probably a one-off performance. Um, they battle down. They all work for each other which is nice to see. And, and as Swing correctly said, it was cruel to lose in the manner we did or to lose at all because they all gave so much and they were all out on their feet at the end, which is in a way nice to see because you know they've worked their bollocks off. Like I said a few weeks ago at Newcastle, they all just sort of wandered off the pitch. Like, and you felt like, fuck, these players have got another 20 minutes in them if needed. Whereas yesterday they couldn't, they were all fucked. They, as soon as the whistle went, they all fell to the floor. And as I said, in a way, that's nice to see that you know they've given their all. But I don't think... As I said earlier, one performance doesn't mean oh that should now be that should have been your your first team mm. um, all season. Just going on the goal, uh, I, I also feel Ospina could have done a bit better. Uh, but also, I, I spoke to uh, a couple of other footballers after the game. They say lower league footballers, and the first thing they said, it's a good header, but why has no one blocked his run? And again, I didn't think this in the ground, but when I just watched it back. The way to stop Fellaini is you're probably not going to beat him in the air. He is an animal in the air. I don't really rate him, but in the air, he's as good as anyone. You've got to stop the run. You can't allow him a five-yard run on the players. And I didn't think of this, and so I can't take credit for it, but it's what other players said to me. Just stand in front of him and block the run. Because if you're standing right in front of him, he either has to run for you, and it's a foul, or header it from where he is, which is about 16, 17 yards out. And if he scores a header from there, you have to clap. But chances are... He isn't going to score a header from there. And I don't know if it was just a bit of immaturity or tiredness, because I'm sure the players all know don't let him run at the ball. But it's a 90-second minute away at Old Trafford. So maybe that's come into it. But I think it's not a simple mistake you can label at one player. But I think that was the bigger error, error was letting him have a run on you. It's like when you see if you deploy a zonal marking at corners, there's always four on the, on the edge of the six-yard box, but then there's two blockers. And they're purely there to stop people getting a straight run at the ball. They're not even there to particularly challenge. They're just meant to stop someone getting running and running and getting a leap. And we didn't we didn't block him off from the run. And then from then it is a very good header from him. But I probably would I think Czech probably saves that just purely because he's taller. Well, yeah, okay. Um, I got nothing to add on that. You explained it all very well. However, Abemian quietest game he's probably had in an Arsenal jersey today. Uh. That or Tottenham away, and now it's going to sound like oh, he doesn't do anything in the, in the big games. But 
I, I've said this the whole time. I think with Aubameyang, we have to appreciate that he's one of them players that doesn't really do too much. Uh, he runs the channels, but that, that doesn't look exciting. Uh, he, he's not overly involved. We're, we're used to Lacazette, who links up very well, whereas Aubameyang's probably the opposite. He doesn't. His link-up play isn't exceptional. He doesn't really get involved, but he stretches their defence at all times, uh, and he he gets himself chances. He should have done better with the header. The cross might have been slightly behind him, but it's a very good chance he's had. As I said, Mkhitaryan could have slid him in when, when Mkhitaryan scored. There was a couple of other times he could have been slid in. He put in a very good ball for Reese Nelson, uh, who headed wide early in the... No, late in the first half, sorry. Um, so he's more a player of moments than of 90 minutes whereas Lacazette is more a player of 90 minutes than moments. And I think somewhere between them, there's going to find, we're going to find a good balance. Mm. But I don't think you can judge one on the other's attributes. Yeah, I think um, next season I'm looking forward to both of them actually getting, some, uh, getting a good partnership together. I, I still, for the life of me, I don't know where you're going to start with both of them. Um, but anyway, time will tell next season under a new manager and probably some new players coming in, I suppose. Um, Schwinn, man of the match? Difficult one because there's a couple that definitely deserve a shout. I mean, Dinos, for one, you know, had had an exceptional debut for, for being that young and for being thrown into uh, such a big stage. Maitland-Niles had a very good game in midfield considering the you know the players he had to do a job on. But I'll have to give it to Callum Chambers, and this might not be objective, but it's based on what Tony said earlier that you know we've we counted him out, and I think yesterday, particularly in the system we played, sitting deep, not really having him to you know run and recover, I thought he was exceptional. You know, I th- I thought he managed with Bellerin very well. I thought he did a very good job communicating with with Marupanos. and when when Chaka did venture far forward, then I think he was very good as an aggressor in following Lukaku, nibbling at his heels, not letting him connect play. And whenever the odd occasion where he was beaten, which I think were just one or two, Dinos was quick to uh, to clear the danger out. So I'll, I'll give it to Callum, but by no means is this an objective answer. Okay. Uh, Tony, your man of the match? Uh, for me, I'll go with Mickey. I think for the 70-odd minutes he was on the pitch, he was the shining light on the pitch not only just our player I thought he looked better than better than everyone on the pitch including their players um, coming out of the ground interestingly a lot of the United fans were saying like fuck me never done that for us mm. they they were impressed with him they were saying oh it's interesting the guy that we gave you was the best player on the, like, on the pitch full stop uh, I can understand people not giving it to him because he didn't play the whole game I've seen a lot of people give it to Mavropanos and, and for me I think people are doing that based on the situation I don't was he the best player on the pitch for me? No, but was he better than what was expected of him? Yes, but for me, I'm giving it on who I thought was the best player on the pitch, there's, which is, for me, Mickey. There's there's a lot of you can mention. Maitland-Niles was very good. I don't want to ignore Hector because I thought Hector had a very good game and, and I've obviously been a big critic of him at times, so I don't want to be labelled as a hypocrite and when he's good, I'll admit it and I thought he was very good yesterday, but yeah, for me, it was Mickey that was man of the match. And also, Iwobi wasn't as bad as normal. Uh, I suppose that's some form of credit. And again, I'm going to be objective. When someone's good, I'll say they're good. And I thought Iwobi had a decent game. I'm, um, I'm going to go with Schwinn. I'm going to go Chambers because uh, earlier in the season, my <laughs> Schwinn absolutely read him off. So um, I thought he had a really, really good game. Um, it's a Chambers that I'd like to see more of. Uh, 
I'd like to keep him at Arsenal next year. I think he's actually um, coming along, I, I don't want to say better than Mustafi, but he doesn't make them dumb decisions like Mustafi in his last couple of games. Um, he seems to be maturing a lot, uh, Chambers, so I, I don't know whether... I think he might, yeah. Uh, so I have to, I have to give it to him, Chambers. Um, yeah, boys, good. Gonna... Just before we, just yeah. before we move on, I, I will say that yes, Callum deserves a lot of credit, but I think you also have to see the system we played yesterday. We don't usually sit back this often and this deep. We don't have those banks of four, you know, two banks of four, and that will, of course, help any defender, you know. So. Yes, he had a good performance and take nothing away from him. But, you know, as, as reactionary as we were a couple of months ago, I think we should try avoid doing that. And, and, you know, still keep in mind that a new manager, depending on their style of play, might decide Callum's future. If someone if it's someone who likes to hold those banks, who is a little more cautious, then, yes, he might have a, a future at Arsenal. But if, you know, if it's someone who's all out of attack, then his recovery pace and especially in times of, you know, in those times, he's not the best at decision making. So it's it's wise to, you know, just, just be a little careful and not be reactionary again. Just just a quick note. Yeah, yep, yep. No, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. So, um, but just on that, are you boys going to, you got anything else to add on this game, Tony? Well, I, I would love to just echo what Schwinn said. Our defensive system was, you can say better or not, but it was, we were set up to defend a lot more. Uh, there was never a time when both fullbacks went. Um, you say ideally, I said last week, ideally they work in pairs what, in, in a good team, but one goes and one stays, and we don't tend to do that. It's usually both go and then we, we leave ourselves exposed. But I, to be honest, yesterday neither of them really went, not hammer and tongs. There was a couple of times that each of them got forward, but I just said Hector had a good game, and I said Klesnach had a good game, but I can't really remember either of them getting forward too often. Uh, there's the, obviously the odd example um, so I just think the whole system was set up better to defend I personally prefer us defending deep um, I think it doesn't I think a lot of people get in behind us and if you defend deep it makes it a lot harder to do um, so for yeah for me it was a better defensive system and that aids the players in looking good it's a lot harder to defend on the halfway line than it is uh, to defend on the edge of your own area the the, the problem with that and why we don't do it is if you win the ball on the halfway line, you've then only got 50 yards to go to goal. Whereas if you win it on the edge of your own area, you've got 90 odd yards to go. So there's strengths and negatives of both. But for me, as a defensive system, I prefer us sitting sort of 20 to 25 yards out. Okay. Um, I know you boys, you don't have a crystal ball, so it's going to be very hard. But just on your gut feeling, right? So I'm going to rattle off Nelson, Awobi, uh Maitland Niles, who started, uh, they all started yesterday. What's your think? What's your feelings on them future at Arsenal next season under a new manager? And I'll go to Schwinn first. I think Niles has uh, has provided a very versatile nature to his play uh, when it comes to deputising. So I think he'll stick around. I fear it will be will stick around. I don't think he'll go on loan. And this is because of what Tony said last on the last pod, that it would only make sense to loan him out to a Premier League club. And I am not sure at the moment, I'm happy to be proven wrong, whether there's a club that is looking for a player like Iwobi. 
let's hope that's wrong and you know there's there's changes around that and someone is happy to pluck away it will be and play him in the premier league week in week out as for nelson loan for sure he he has to go and and you know fight it out somewhere build that physicality get that experience because he's not going to get that at, at the arsenal and tony what's yours on uh yeah, I mean, for me, Iwobi has to be loaned out as a minimum. Uh, I wouldn't be adverse to him being sold, as any regular listener will know. Um, Nelson, obviously, I've just said, I think he needs to go out on loan, um, but it's a difficult situation. With Maitland-Niles, um, look, I've said many times on this podcast I prefer him as a fullback, but yesterday he was outstanding in the middle. Uh, and it does, it provides an option of versatility for whoever is the manager. Uh, whether Maitland-Niles is a starter next season, I highly doubt it. Uh, but if he continues performing how he did yesterday, he's going to make a strong case for himself. Uh, I definitely think he'll be kept just because he he gives you options in a few positions. So uh, I would go of the three you named, one loaned minimum, loan to sold for Iwobi, a loan for Nelson and keep hold of Maitland-Niles. Okay, well, well, I've got you, Tony. Eddie was on the bench. We haven't seen much of Eddie. Oh, jeez. Well, he took us all by storm and a couple of goals early, early in the season. I can't remember who it was against. And we Norwich. Norwich, was it? So we haven't seen much of him um, since that, have we? Uh, what do you make of his future? Uh, I think he'll, he'll just stay hanging around the, the under-23s. You think his... Had he not played in that Norwich game, this wouldn't even be a question. We'd say, oh, there's a youth player, he scored a lot of youth goals, he'll still be in the youth team next year. Mm. Because he scored in that game, he came to everyone's attention. And it seems to have sort of highlighted uh, and fast-tracked his progress, where everyone now thinks, should he be going out on loan, should he be doing this, should he be doing that? But, as I said, if, if he wouldn't have scored in that game, we'd all be very happy for him to just be continuing with the youth and size next year and playing in the cup competitions and whatnot. So I think it just that just remains the same. I think we we probably shouldn't just get blinded by fast tracking him just based on what we've seen in in one twenty minute spell essentially. Okay, um, I'm not going to ask you who your worst was there because I, I I don't want to because I think for me personally I think they all had a really they try their guts out. Um, and to get, be 1-1 in the 90th minute and, you know, Manchester United get that last goal, I think, you know, it's just one of them things. As Schwinn said, football is a cruel world. Um, Tony, any news on a new manager, updates, anything going on there in the news? Um, so the the only interesting thing really is that uh, Allegri, so I was talking to our followers for, for people to obviously tweet us on, on Thursday and we was looking at the odds and I think Allegri was 15 or 16 to 1 at, at, at about midday on Thursday. Um, so if your odds are different elsewhere, if you use decimal odds, he was either 16 or 17. If you use American or Australian odds, I have absolutely no idea how, how you use that work. So sorry. Um but since then, by, by midday Saturday, so 48 hours later, he dropped to two uh, to three to one. So literally less than a quarter. Well, yeah. Um, in, in, and he's dropped since as well. I mean, you can still probably get three to one in some places, but I was looking earlier and he's dropped even further since. Um, so it's, it's like almost an eighth of the odds nearly, just above an eighth of the odds that he was on Thursday. 
and there's been no real press or news about him so I don't know what what's brought that on the only thing I've seen is he done an interview saying um I decided my future last year and and the journalist journalist that published it took that as oh he's staying at Juventus because he decided a year ago where he was going to be but obviously, anyone that listens to this and whether they choose to believe me or not, or if they believe any other people on Twitter, will know that Arsenal spoke to him last year when when we wasn't sure if Wenger was going to stay or not. And he was very open to taking the job. So he could mean that. He could mean I decided a year ago that at some point I would be Arsenal manager. I don't know. But him saying I decided a year ago isn't as clean cut as it looks. Mm-hmm. And as I said, the journalist that printed it ran with that side of it. But you could very easily have, have, have turned that the other way and say, oh, he decided on Arsenal a year ago. Mm, okay, interesting. Um, Ramsey and Jack, still nothing going on there? Nope. Nope. So Jack... Oh, uh, just that uh, Arsenal, I don't... Arsenal won't uh, offer any more to Jack. I think the final offer's on the table. Right, so Yobi accepts or he goes for free. Jeez, oh, I don't know when I think. Where, where would he go? Well, the the problem is uh, when he's trying to get more out of Arsenal, he has an offer for 140 grand a week on the table from Everton. It's unofficial because it'd be illegal, but someone's nudged his agent and said Everton are offering 140 grand a week. Mm. Um, and that's the problem with Arsenal offering him about 80. Yeah, there's a pay-as-you-play. But it's a it's a lot it's a big difference. Yeah. I think with the with the pay as you play, I believe that it would take him into the region of one twenty. I think it's basically a forty grand appearance fee. So eighty grand a week, forty grand appearance fee. Um, that also what people seem to forget as well. And I'm not defending him. I'm just sort of saying how contracts work. If he has a forty grand appearance fee, that means from May through to August, he's not getting that extra forty grand. So over the year, it's actually a big difference if that makes sense because even look, he'd be if he played every game he'd get 120 grand instead of 80 but he would have got 140 at Everton but over the summer so May, June, July he he would only be making the 80 grand because obviously he can't play there's no games while at Everton he would be still making 140 so that's 60 grand a week for about 12 weeks more 720 grand while you're not even playing mm. Uh, and uh, look, we can we can say about footballers being rich, but none of us would turn our nose up to an ever uh, an extra seven hundred and twenty grand. No, absolutely not. Um, Everton, I eh? well, look, there, there may be other offers, but I know Everton have told his agent that they will give him one hundred and forty grand a week. Would you rather see him play in the Premier League still, or you'd rather him go off to Italy somewhere where you can't see him? Uh, I'd rather him sign for Arsenal. Um, <laughs> look, I'm I'm very fond of Jack, as everyone will know, and I want to see him do well. I don't want to see him do well against us. Yeah. Um, so I'd prefer he goes abroad. I think even as an Englishman, and, and people might disagree with this, but I think the best England side, or a Jack at his best, would walk into the England side. So I think even looking from a national side point of view, I want Jack playing well. Um, but yeah, I, I never want him to see him play well against Arsenal. So... I would prefer he goes abroad. I've said it many times. I'm an Ars- I'm a- I like Jack Wilshere, but I'm an Arsenal fan first. So I don't want to see him in the Premier League scoring 25 goals in a season. Not that that's ever going to happen and scoring against us. Mm. Because although I like him, I prefer Arsenal. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. No, no, no players bigger than the team. Exactly that. Okay, let's get into a few questions, lads. Um, 
the Texas Gunnar Schwinn. Thoughts on Reese Nelson? Looking forward to next season. Do you think he is ready to hold down a regular place in the squad, or would it be best if he was loaned out? Shit, I just fucking asked that question, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Texas Gunnar again. Last I've read, I believe it's uh, imminent. He will sign the contract offered. That seems to be the case. I think Tony spoke about that a couple of weeks ago where reports surfaced that he will be happy to sign on and, and stick around. So I, I could not personally give any any update on that. I don't know if Tony has, has some information on that, but uh, it'd be nice to hold him because he's definitely a prospect. But yeah, uh, he's not going to feature anytime soon in, in the starting 11. So that, that might tilt his head the other way. Any, any you got there, Tony? No, to be honest, it, there was a load of leaks that he looked like he was going to sign a new deal, and I think he's kind of hinted towards it himself. Uh, but there's nothing I know on it. Uh, I don't know any more than anyone else that reads Twitter or headlines or whatnot. Yes, fish. <laughs> fish. I haven't watched the game, game the video. <laughs> he's, then he's asking questions now. Um, so he hasn't watched the game. To be honest, as I opted to watch the Avengers Infinity War instead, just saw that cunt Fellaini scored through my, through all my updates. If ever I wanted someone run over by a train, it would be that thug. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that with us, Fish. Um, uh, Red Fulcrum. Tony, I really hope Ivan and Co. appoint right person to get the best out of our young gunners, and hopefully those young gunners can... Bring home three points from Old Trafford next season. I mean, I'd, I'd rather win everywhere else than and lose at Old Trafford and win the league than vice versa. But I get the point. Uh, we do need to look at a manager that is willing to play uh, young players. If you look at someone like Mourinho, he's always been very against uh, bringing through youth, and, and there's good reason for it. But I don't think that's something we want at Arsenal. I'm not sure on Allegri how progressive with youth he is. I mean, you never really hear of many young players coming out of Juventus, so maybe that could be an issue. Um, however, I think this last week, people probably wouldn't have said that. We've seen a very good showing from a lot of young players yesterday. And so now people are thinking about their future and how we can bed them in. And it is an important part of our club to try and get young players through, especially with our budgets being smaller than everyone else. We need to plug gaps where we can. Mm. Um, but... It's a tough one. I mean, I don't think these players should be holding down first-team places next season. But we need someone who is willing to trust the youth if they are good enough. And as I said, I don't. if it is to be Allegri, I don't know how great his record is. I don't watch a lot of Italian football. But as I said, I can't think of any young players that are coming out of Juventus that, that everyone are talking about. Uh, if anyone tweets me and says Dybala, then don't be stupid. He's not young and they signed him uh, for quite a lot of money. Um, so that that could be one worry whereas someone like Hardim who I also believe is a candidate we'll no, we know we'll give them youth players a chance and, and probably uh, improve them and add value to them I don't know what Enrique is like with youth players he's been out of football for a while so so we don't know but I, I agree with the question in that we hope it's someone that can that will give them a chance if warranted but I don't want someone who just throws them in for the sake of it yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Sushant Schwinn. Can Ramsey be fit for the whole season? 
whole 34, 38 games of the EPL to be built a team around him and who is the most fit person in an Arsenal squad? For Ramsey, it's a tough one because I think he missed out, what, four weeks of this season, to, uh, of this particular season, which would equate to 34 to 38 games, although it was in the Christmas time, so usually you have more games during then. Can he remain fit? I don't know. I mean, uh, even against Atletico towards the very end, you know, when you see him running full tilt, I always worry for Aaron. And it's it's obviously out of you know a good place. It's not as if that you know I don't want him to don't want him to feature. You know, I'm, I'm scared for him. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm by no means a fitness guru. Uh, I hope he can stay fit, and I hope he signs on. But as for the most fit person, I think after this season, um, I've been very impressed by Hector. Not just because he hasn't been injured, but I think he's managed himself very well. You know, I think he chooses his moments well when it comes to going full tilt or, you know, holding back a little bit. Uh, And he's not scared to go in for a challenge every now and then. So I think he's he's well placed to make those decisions, Uh, you know, not to run in Shaka here as well, because he's he's had a lot of game time under his belt. And if I'm not mistaken, Mesut Ozil is up there in, in his list as well. But I'm not going to go on about Ozil because, you know, he gets a week off when, it, when you know, we travel anywhere north of, of Watford, essentially. So uh, Hector Bellerin, for me, has to, has to get the nod on this one. Um, <laughs> Tony Sushant asks also, who is your player of the season? And I will come to you as well, Schwinn, in a minute. Uh, who is your player of the season for Arsenal? Monreal or Ramsey? So we've done our player ratings end of March, I believe, and in international break. And at that time, I gave it to Nacho, very close with Ramsey second. I think in the last few weeks, Nacho's still been good, but I think Ramsey has overtaken him. If I was to award it right now, I, I would give it to Ramsey. Although, again, Mon- I wouldn't argue with anyone that said Monreal. Uh, but as I said, I think it was very tight a few weeks ago. And since then, Ramsey scored a stupid amount of goals or stupid amount of assists, which for me has just taken him over. If we was doing a score out of 10, I think it'd be an 8 for Nacho and an 8.1 for Ramsey. I have it that tight. But for me, I think Ramsey's just overtaken him. OK. Uh, Schwinn? I'll have to agree. I think in terms of on-the-field performances, Ramsey has been above uh, Nacho. Again, this is no disrespect towards Nacho, but as I said when we did the ratings, that for me, Mesut Ozil remains the most important player this season because of signing that new contract. You know, he, he was able to attract more players in a way and uh, save a sinking ship because after his and Alexis' departure, poten- uh, potentially, I think we would have been in a fix in terms of the cl- image of the club. So Ramsey has to be the one, but special mention to Mesut Ozil especially after laying into him for the for the previous question. <laughs> oh, go on, man. Right. You on. So. <laughs> um, I think Ramsey, I had as the... Huh? I had as the, the before Monreal in the ratings. So I, I have to go back and have a look. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick with Ramsey. I think he's... Yeah, I did. I had Ramsey on top of Monreal. So Ramsey's still, still probably the best we've had. This season, um, Shaq has been good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just had that. Of course. <laughs> um, okay, now he goes on and says, who's the flop of the season? Check Mustafi, or he's give you anything else? Tony. 
for me, it wouldn't be. Oh, I don't know. It's difficult. It's fucking hard one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, the problem with Mustafi is he's had some excellent games. He's also had some shockers. Czech's probably not had the excellent games. But do I blame him for largely what's gone on this season? Probably not. I don't know. I think it's a very hard question. Uh, I, I think people would probably expect me to say a Wobi, and I'm not going to because I don't. I didn't expect anything from him. So, and we've got. <laughs> I, I, I don't even mean that as a criticism. You don't expect him to be a world beater. I don't expect him to be a starter. Yeah. So, if I don't expect anything from him at the start of the season, when he doesn't give me anything, I can't be disappointed. Disappointed. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I find that really hard to answer. I'm going to take a leaf out of Schwinsburg and sits firmly on the fence. Okay. For fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, sponsored by Shree. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Swin, Swin, have you got an answer for that? I do. I think Kolasinac is someone who has been the flop of the season for me. You know, best left back in the league. We signed him on a free. There's a lot of optimism around him. And after, this, after the way he started the season... Um, I think it's all been downhill. You know, you spoke about his injury, Tony, and I don't know, you know, uh, what was the extent of it, how long he's been carrying that. But despite that, I think there there's a clear element of him falling out of favor and for the right reasons. So, you know, credit to Nacho for stepping up and continuing to perform and progressing in a way. I think he's got more goals than uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who suddenly is supposed to be, you know, uh, improved a lot ever since he's left uh, the Arsenal. But... Uh, without Montreal, we would have been a, in a massive fix. And um, I think that responsibility sits on Kolasinac's shoulders. Yeah, I've been critical of just about everybody all season, throughout the season, somewhere along the line. But like Montreal, he was he was really good at the start of the season. Um, so I'm not even going down that path, but Kolasinac, he was, he was a player we signed on a free and... He started off really well, if you guys remember, but then it type of went downhill. Um, Chambers, he he's had some shocking games, but now he's he's come out really good. Bella, and we've we've all been critical of Bella and throughout the season at some stage. Rob Holding, he's done nothing really wrong. Um, Ramsey's been good. Wilshere, we've been critical of him throughout the season. El Nanny, the same. It's a bloody hard question. Uh, Wobie, um, Lacazette, he's in and out of form. <sighs> Can I sit on You say that time? about Lacazette. No? <laughs> you say that about Lacazette, but I think he's been decent. You know, his, his numbers have not been that bad. You know, we've criticized his style of play. Mm. But if you look at the number of goals he scored, uh, it's just one or two less than Lukaku, I think, uh, across all competitions, which... I mean, if you if you go through Man United Twitter, they seem to be very impressed with Lukaku. So uh, I don't think Lacazette features in this in this discussion, does he? No, not really. But I'm just going on who we've been critical throughout the, the season on a couple of podcasts, and and I do remember Lacazette's name popping up here and there, especially from Tony. So early in the season, um, Awobi seems to pop up every couple of times, but. Oh, probably with Tony, I wasn't disappointed because I didn't expect much from him. So, um, well, but I, I'm going to sit on Tony's fence. I can't answer. Well, yeah, 
So the the alleged fence sitter is the only one who's not sitting on a fence then? <laughs> really? I can't answer it. Look, you could blame Czech. You could say Czech has been very quiet this season compared to what we thought Czech was going to be. But our defence has been that shocking. Is it Czech's fault on half the... You know, I don't know how many goals we've conceded this season, but is it 40-something or something like that? But... Uh, can can we blame check for all that, Tony? Well, by that logic, uh, sorry, j- just quickly by that logic, has Kushelny been a quote unquote flop this season? I was going to mention him, but he's uh, I've almost felt sorry with the injury. So no, but you got to you got to be objective though, right? I mean, we understand the problem that he is injured, and it, you know we don't have the depth to play players in and out of position. But looking at it objectively, has he been a flop? Because I don't think any of us were ready for such a decline in him. And we didn't expect a whole lot from Mustafi. And we didn't expect a whole lot you know, from the likes of Iwobi. But we did from Koscielny. So by definition, does Koscielny fall under the flop category? I, if I had to pick a player, I think, or definitely somebody in the defence. For me, Mustafi, he fucking has some shocking games. Not shocking games, but makes some... Dumb decisions. But in on the other flip side, he, he's been brilliant on some 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 games. But So I can't say Mustafi. I was just looking at RC. He says Monreal and Mustafi hands down. Um, so I, he, means, he means, sorry, he means Monreal best and Mustafi worst. Okay, okay. Monreal best, Mustafi worst. I, I, can't, I can't say Mustafi because, yeah, I, look. Let's let's run with your theory then, Schwinn. If you don't want me to sit on the fence, I'll plomp down from the fence and save Kashani. Yeah, if I if I had to put a name on it, I would say Czech just because he's cost us so many points or a number of points. But that's the nature of a keeper. If you make a mistake, it's got you're probably going to concede a goal, which will lead to drop points unless you're outscoring teams. Whereas Mustafi can make three mistakes a game. For let's not choose Mustafi because I don't want to sound like I'm picking on him. Uh, Ramsey can make three mistakes a game and none of them lead to a goal and it doesn't you don't remember them as much so I think the thing is I would probably say check if someone had a gun to my head and said I had to name someone but he is in an unfortunate position of his mistakes are costly and memorable um in terms of just to answer Shrin's question about Koscielny I think has he regressed almost definitely I don't think anyone could argue with that has he been a flop I would say no. I mean, it's very rare we come out of games and say he's been out and out awful. Uh, he's just not been the Koscielny of old. Uh, we maybe expected sort of eight out of tens from him and we've been getting five to sixes uh, with the odd eight thrown in. So for me, that's regression, but not, as I said, I wouldn't say out and out flop. Hmm. What, what comes becomes of him next season, I wonder? Bit part player for me. Hmm. Unfortunate, isn't it? Really, because well, his body's given up on him. This, it's not, a, it's not a lack of loyalty. But if your body can't do it anymore, uh, you become a player that, when you're fit, you play. But if it's any doubt of struggle, or if you, then you don't play. Mm. The thing is, we've been over reliant on him because we know his body's not up to it. But we don't have the players that are capable of stepping in. So he's been, in a way, he's been hung out to dry. And I do kind of feel sorry for him. Uh, people say that's strange. Oh, you feel sorry for someone on eighty grand a week, but. His reputation's being damaged 
because Arsenal haven't looked out for him properly by giving him, by having someone behind him that can step in if he's out. We know if we've got a big game, Koscielny's going to play because we don't, we say we've got Chambers and hold him, but we know Koscielny's going to play because he's more trusted. We don't trust the others. But, and that means Koscielny playing when he's not fit enough to play at times. You reckon it was a bad decision to let go Karen Gibbs? No, I don't think Gibbs would have affected it. I, I've, I, I could more understand the argument of, do you think it was a bad decision to get rid of Gabrielle? Yeah. Uh, I could more understand the argument. I've said many times on this, I don't think it was. But uh, I could understand the argument there. But I think he was probably as trusted within the club and by the fan base as Chambers and Holden are. Not a good season. Didn't go to plan, boys. Um, okay, so Shree says for you, Schwinn. Um, I'll see if it's a question. I missed the game, so my question is generic. Considering how well our academy. Why plays. is everyone missing the game? What's going on here? <laughs> Manchester United, then a real big club, are they? Uh, oh, fair enough. <laughs> you got me convinced. <laughs> uh, considering how well our academy players are performing. How high on the agenda should their growth and in where am I inter- integration be for the new manager? I think Tony spoke about this just a few minutes ago. You know, it, it falls in line with what he says exactly that it's all about you know who deserves a nod. I think no manager, uh, unless your name is Jose Mourinho, is is willing to just shun youth talent you know we don't obviously don't have the likes of a Salah or KDB in, in our youth ranks but we could make the next one and you know it goes back to what Arsene said always that we don't buy superstars we build them and you know I think that's something we will continually rely on we don't have those quote-unquote war chests when it comes to the summers and we we will need to rely on some of our youth players but it's all about who integrates into the system it's all about who deserves a nod and I think we will continually rely on that. Just just quickly, as to what Tony said about Allegri, I, I think that there is an element of that in here, that you know he's not someone who's who's willing to not 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 willing to, but who's who's inclined to give young players a chance. What he does do to you know to basically maximize his budget is look for loan deals. Personally, I'm not a big fan of that. I like to loan out young players, but I don't like to bring in. Uh, loanies so you know that's my only slight problem with Allegri maybe that will change when he sees the the talent at Arsenal and you know what we can do around here if he indeed becomes a manager but you know that's my only skepticism about about Max Allegri and Mike from the award winning or is it the award nomination Gooners in the USA podcast he's got to the bottom of what Shree was up to and why he missed the game because he was a bit confused oh, i have a question for shree the gooner you mean you missed the game and shree says i had a game of cricket there you go that's why you missed the game okay um pete how are we pete is tez still walking around with a woody after shackett was captain pete come on mate we're a uh, pg rated podcast here champ um <laughs> <laughs> okay uh... no we're not <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Vish says Tony by this stage looks like four hours ago so he's caught up on the game with ten minutes to go and a point against United would it have been prudent to bring Holding instead of Willock on as an extra body in defence in my opinion would have served better to rescue a point rather than uh, 
succeed to defend it yet again. Arsenal floor is poor game management at depth. Um, look, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and, and there's more than one way to defend. Uh, I think if holding comes on, then we just invite pressure. Um, don't get me wrong, they had a load of pressure anyway, but we, in theory, we'd have some attempt to stop it by controlling the ball, which obviously didn't work. Whereas if we just if we just bring on another defender, we're basically giving up the ball and saying, go on, attack, see if you can break us down. And I think they probably would have scored if we'd done that anyway. And there'd be, probably be a lot more criticism with people saying, we've gone there, had a go, we've kept the ball, we've played football and we were one all. Why did you park the bus in inverted commas with 10 minutes to go? Uh, as I said, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but I, again, I, I didn't see anyone on Twitter saying that he should bring holding on with 10 minutes to go. No one in the ground was saying it. Uh, so I don't think that's really what people thought at the time. I understand where the question's coming from, but I just don't think in that situation it it was what people wanted or what was required. Um, so, yeah, not not for me. I do agree with the point. I don't think our game management is very good. I think it's poor to say to say the least. So I do agree with that point, but probably I think the, the shout to bring holding on is more of a hindsight thing than a than uh, what anyone thought at the time. And obviously, Vish didn't watch the game, so he didn't think anything at the time, so he didn't know what was happening. Yeah, no, he's, he's probably caught up on the game now, because this is four. Yeah, no, no, but I'm oh. saying at the time, he, he knew the result when he when he said that, oh, if you know okay. what I mean. Yeah, I know. So no one, when it was one all with 10 minutes to go, I've not seen anyone say, oh, we should have bring holding on, or we should bring holding on now. But then when you know the result after, you can. it's easy to yeah. say, oh, why didn't we bring another defender on? That's what I mean. I'm not criticising him, I'm just saying he knew the result when he said that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I was just having a quick look. I only The only thing I can think of is he wanted the draw to say, yeah, we, we drew against um, Man United for pride uh, because it does nothing on the ladder. Even the one point gives us 58, it'll give them 78, and so it's irrelevant there. So just bragging rights, I suppose. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, Vish then also asks, and we'll go to Schwinn, why don't we press the ball in the opposition's box time again? Young had young had time to clear the ball as we didn't put pressure on them when in their box. Are we afraid of drawing a foul? We're definitely not afraid of drawing a foul. I don't think that's the case. I mean, in theory, we're not the, the greatest depressing team because... Pressing is all about synchronicity. It's all about triggers. It's all about gaining the right position with a certain group of players on the field. And we do lack tactical awareness when it comes to pressing. But yesterday was not about pressing. Yesterday was about sitting deep. So, yes, again, about it's about hindsight. You know, Young was able to play those balls in. We had, an, we had a scare right before we conceded. And, you know, we could have done better in hindsight, but, you know, it, it was also about clearing the danger. It, you know, it was also about making sure that we don't let cha- let channels be open for players to run into because they had the likes of Martial and, and Rashford on the pitch by then who can do serious damage if they get behind your line. So I think tactically yesterday's game doesn't have too many problems. But Vish's overall point is still, you know, still remains that we need to learn the art of pressing. And, you know, based on the new manager, that's something we might incorporate into our game. And he goes on with a gif of two blokes hugging. Tez, do you prefer to be the big spoon 
or the little spoon in the shaka sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) You dirty little boy, Vish. (laughs) Just quietly, Vish. I'm the giver, mate, not the taker. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So much for PG. (laughs) Sit the fuck down. Um, Vish, again, fuck me, Vish. You're getting plenty of airtime, brother. You might as well just join us on the podcast. Uh, Tony, again, where have these performances been for the past few months? I don't mind us looking provided uh, we play as well as we did today, given the young squad that played are the upturn in performances due to the players' motivation, giving their all because Wenger or the new manager. I mean, look, that's that's the million dollar question. Why haven't we been performing like this all the time? But you could use you could say that. Every team could say that. City could say, why didn't we perform like we have done in other games against Liverpool in the, in the Champions League? Why? Do you know what I mean? If, if there was an answer to that, then fucking everyone would be perfect. So I, I don't know what made us perform better. That, look, I know we've not got any away points this year, this coming the year, but that was our best performance of the games. Um, obviously, I'm talking domestically. Uh, that was our best performance. What caused that? I don't know. We can all speculate. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't really give you an answer. No. Look, I'd, I'd imagine a little bit they might be playing for Wenger. They might be playing for the new manager. Who, who knows? Um, what I would say, sorry, is a lot of, for a lot of them players, it was an audition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, especially, look, none of them were really, apart from Hector uh, and, and Xhaka, even Xhaka to an extent, the only, look, Aubameyang obviously has to play in the league. Hector is the only one that you'd imagine if he stays and a new manager comes in is guaranteed. There's, I like Granite, and obviously you have homosexual feelings towards him, but <laughs> there, there's a lot of critics out there. And obviously Mkhitaryan's new, and with the way Welbeck's been playing in recent weeks, and I know we've got a question on it later on, the, the only one of them that is sort of guaranteed, and that's if he stays, is Hector. So I think every one of every other player is either playing for a place in the team on Thursday or longer term playing for a place in the new manager's plans. Because believe me, all of the candidates will have watched that game. And I think Wenger said that in his in his interview after the game. He said, Oh, now the next manager will know that he's got a bit more of a squad than people think. So all of the players know that and they're playing for their future at Arsenal essentially. And and when your life's on the line, so to speak. You can you can turn in amazing performances. What was impressive is usually that leads to a bunch of individual performances, and they were all good as individuals. But it was a very good team performance as well, and that is where you say I don't know what's caused that. I really hope we don't go down the path of um, AC Milan or Everton. I think what was it six players or something in one window, and you only got to look at both teams. Um, they didn't exactly have the greatest of seasons either, so. I hope we really don't go down that path of trying to replace six to seven players. Um, I don't even. Know yeah, I mean, I wasn't saying he's gonna, he's gonna, whoever comes in is gonna replace them all. But there's a thought like all of them could be thinking, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be starting next year, or I'm not sure if I'm gonna even be at this club next year. So that's not saying he's gonna replace them all. But if you're not 100, percent you better prove yourself. And and yesterday that looked like what they were trying to do. Mm. Maitland Nars, for example, he's trying to impress a new manager and convince him he's a centre midfielder. Um, you could go Kolasinac was trying to prove that he should be the first choice left, left back or, or Chambers should 
is trying to prove himself that he he could be in the in the starting centre backs and better than Mustafi or trying to convince him to not bring in a new centre back because Chamb- he feels he's good enough. So I think every one of them had a point to prove, um, or they were trying to prove a point. And, and that can, as I said, that can cause an uptime. It's like they call it the bounce effect when a new manager comes in. You always see a team that they're doing a bit shit, their manager gets sacked, and then suddenly a new manager comes in and, and they pick up points quite quickly in the first few weeks. Uh, it, it, as I said, it's known as the bounce effect. And that, again, is just players trying to prove themselves to the new manager and saying, I, I deserve a place in this team. Mm-hmm. Jeez, it's all going to be very interesting. Um, okay, Schwinn, the Texas Gurner, given Montreal's age and Klozenak been a much better okay, uh, left wing back than a left back in in his opinion. Should we be looking to make a major upgrade in that area this summer? I mean having just you know criticized Klasnach and essentially called him a flop of the season uh, for me, I, I'd still like to give him time because you know we've spoken about our priorities when it comes to the transfer window and a left back doesn't really feature there. Now, what's interesting is the conversation we all were having before we recorded, and Luke Shaw is someone who's running out of contract this summer. So maybe a new manager could be tempted into looking into Luke Shaw and potentially bringing him to to London. But as for spending funds and, and bringing in a left back, I don't think that's anywhere, you know, atop our priority list. Yep, I can't. Yep, I trying to think. As you're saying that, I'm as thinking of a decent I'm couple of left backs. Just to, There's just many. To, just to butt in on that, sorry. Uh, I think we've at least got at least another year out of Nacho. And there's nothing to say that we won't be playing a back five next year. So it kind of makes that point oh, yeah, true. mute. But I think I think as after the season Nacho has had, I think he's at least got another year in him. And then maybe in a year's time, we could be looking at a left back. Okay, Tony. And just to add to that, uh, Maitland-Niles is also someone who, who can feature there if required. So... I think we're we're decently equipped when it comes to you know the left wing back or left back position. Mm. Okay, um, Tony M W A Gunner. Do we need to sell defenders? Because if we buy more, we'll have too many, and players like Holding aren't getting a look in, as it is. Uh, yeah. Um, there's not. There's a problem with the quality of our defenders, not with the number of defenders we have. We're certainly not short on numbers. So whether it be a loan out of one or two of the younger guys like Mavropanos or, or Holding, or whether it be getting rid of Mustafi, giving Koscielny essentially Mertesacker's role from this season where you, you're not really involved too much, you're a bit of an emergency or you play, or in a similar way you play when fit, as I, as I mentioned earlier. But yeah, someone's going to have to leave. Or at least one person's going to have to leave if we bring people in, but it may not necessarily be a transfer. It may be, as I said, a loan out of, of a couple of the younger guys. I wouldn't be surprised to see two of the younger guys loaned out and one first team centre back brought in. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't surprise me massively, because as I said numbers are good, quality is not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Schwinn, I just think. Sorry, before I go to Schwinn. How much would it cost Tony to to replace that whole back line though? At, at uh, decent uh, quality. The whole back line is in a whole new back four. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think we'll be looking to do that. I said I don't think we'll look for a left back this summer. We're not. I personally am. Look, me and Schwinn have disagreed on this pretty much every episode since January. I think we'll bring in one centre back. He thinks two. 
so for me, I would only be, unless Hector goes, I would only really be looking at one defender. And then you've got to look into your budget and you select a player accordingly. Uh, we know Manolas is available for around 30 million. Socrates has been rumoured the last couple of days. He's, he's, I think the fee being rumoured is 19 million pounds. So, as I said, you look at what you go with your what your budget fits. I don't think there's any point looking to what our whole back line would cost because one, it's not going to happen, and two, it has to fit into our budget. So you could say it would cost 200 million, but if we've only got 50, it doesn't matter. Then you have to make it make 50 do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Schwinn, sorry, mate. So Glenn Baxter, regular again. Uh, did Wenger do the right thing in resting the big players for the Madrid game? On Thursday, I think he did, and he got the performance out of the young players. Got a lot of, lot to be proud of about this game. Absolutely, and he did the right thing. I mean, you know, there, there's no doubt that the Europa League is the, is a competition for us to focus on right now, and he left some key players out, and that's that's what exactly was required. I, I would go as far as to say that he went a step further in resting someone like Mustafi. I thought Mustafi was going to feature yesterday. But I think he did the right thing. Get those boys a breather. Let them be fit for, for Thursday and, and put in a performance uh, in Madrid. Yeah, hopefully it's a bloody good performance. Um, Texas Gooner for you, Tony. After seeing Maitland-Niles deploy this season at left back, left wing back, right back, as well as central midfield, where do you feel his strongest position lies? very difficult one because he was excellent yesterday in centre midfield but the other two or three to, three times I've seen him there he's not impressed me uh, I think everyone that watched the game will agree he was awful against Osterlund in midfield I think he got dragged at half time because he, he just wasn't in the game I, I've not seen him have a bad game at fullback so previously to this I've always said that I see him more as a fullback but if he could produce that level in midfield consistently then damn right he's a centre midfielder. But until he does that, he's going to be seen as uh, as a utility player. And Arsenal till I die, he says a central midfielder as well. Um, Schwinn, RC, massive effort from the baby, baby Gunners to dig that deep United. Proud of everyone. What can the senior team learn from this for the second leg? Um, I don't think there's anything we can learn when it comes to the second leg because our game plan is going to be very different. You know, I mean, we're not going to sit deep in Madrid. We have to attack. We have to go for the win. As Arsene said, we know what we need and it's a win. So what, what, what the team can learn is that there are young guns who are willing to challenge for their spot. And as Tony said, with a new manager, you essentially hit the reset button at the pecking order. So, you know, the likes of Mustafi, particularly, should know that their position isn't solidified. Apart from a couple here or there, I don't think there's a lot of positions that you could handpick for the next season. So they should know that their position isn't for certain and that without even having to invest, there might be some players who can do a job. This is nothing to take away from the young players, you know, when I say there's nothing to learn because credit to them i think we've, we've made our feelings on that very clear we're very proud of them but thursday is going to be a different ball game and we shouldn't really be looking back on what happened this past sunday 
Hey, hey, question for you, Tony. Uh, what do you think are the key takeaways from the youth team performance for the next Arsenal manager? There's a lot of capable players in the squad. Uh, if you can get them to perform at that level consistently, it actually makes what looks like quite a small squad quite big. Um, as I said, it, it makes, um, to choose some individuals, it makes Maitland-Niles a first-team contender now. Uh, if you know he can perform at that level. Uh, again, Chambers, not saying he wasn't already, but a, a new manager watching that thinks, oh, he, he could be at a level to play in the first team. And obviously Mavropanos. A manager coming in won't base it on one game, but you're asking the question based on what happened yesterday. Um, and it just it just makes the squad look a lot bigger than we thought. I would suggest any manager watching that probably thought Reese Nelson isn't ready yet. Um not saying he isn't good, just he's not ready to be a first-team player yet. But I think for the three I just mentioned, it would, that's, that's what the manager will take away from that, that, oh, this guy could be a first-team player. What do, you, what do you reckon, like, when we're talking about new managers? Um, <laughs> after 22 years at a club, what the fuck does a new manager walk into? Like, I'm just thinking, like, me, you, or any of us, if we were at a place for 22 years and... You just become so set, don't you? Um, your whole a new manager walking into that world, I just don't even couldn't comprehend what what he'd even how he'd even start. Well, that that was a big problem that Moyes had at United, where he was saying do this, and all the players who had obviously had success under Fergie were like, well, no, hang on, we do it like this, and he was like, I'm the manager now, but they they knew that their previous way brought them success, so. There's a bit of a struggle of power, which didn't go in Moyes' favour. The joy, in a way, the joy that the Arsenal manager will have coming in is that whatever the current methods are, haven't particularly brought success or not the success that they would like. So if he says, do it this way, and they say, no, we used to do it that way, he can say, yeah, but that way didn't, that way made you finish sixth. Yeah. So I think he has a bit of, a bit, not a bit of power, but a bit of control there, whereas Moyes came, because Moyes famously came in and banned chips, and Rio Ferdinand was not having it at all. And he was, Fergie always let us have chips. And he was, yeah, but I'm the manager now. And and it was like, well, we won the league having chips. You <laughs> you was chips. at Everton, mate, sort, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. It, might, it might have been salt on chips, but he banned something. It was, I'm pretty, I think it was chips. But yeah, and I know Rio Ferdinand had a big problem with it. <laughs> um, I'll stick with you, Tony, because it's a transfer and then something that happened at the game yesterday. Uh, Hakon Larson says uh, it's two questions how much will we spend this summer on new players under or over 100 million and then he says what did Popkis tell Niles yesterday after the match um, in terms of transfers I would imagine with player sales it'll be north of 100 million um, if we don't sell anyone, sell anyone I'd imagine it'll be around 70 mm-hmm. Um I mean, obviously, a, a newspaper, I don't know if obviously you guys have seen this abroad, but a newspaper the other day printed that our budget was around 50 million and people were going mad. And I said, I don't think that's wildly wrong. I think it'll be around 70 plus player sales. So 50 is not a million miles off. Um, in terms of what Hogba said, I don't know. I, I only saw, obviously, you don't really notice these things when you're in the stands. Uh, and I saw a lot of people talk about it on Twitter. Uh, so then, but when I watched the highlights earlier, they didn't show it. So I don't, I don't know. Um, from what other people have said on Twitter, it looked like Pogba knew he had a hard game, and and was really impressed with Maitland Niles. 
and it was just sort of playing it paying him um sort of compliments but i don't know that i'm telling you that second hand from what i've seen on twitter so you've probably seen the same as i have mm-hmm. okay um oh yeah i didn't even know and it went on so i wouldn't have a clue might have said congratulations to him or something i don't know um Schwin R Dash says uh, Mafrapanas is is it hype or is it fair to call for the start on Thursday? Once again, I think I'm going to defer this question to to Tony because I know he has some comments on this. So I'll I'll come back for the next one. Okay, Tony. Cheers, Schwin. Um, no, I, I look. He had a very good game. I don't even think he was the best of the two centre backs, as I've said earlier. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't be looking at starting him on Thursday. It's not not any critique of his, but as I said earlier, and it's, it's a phrase I use way too much, a broken clock is right twice a day. We don't know if that was luck or, or whatnot. I, I, I think we are seeing a little bit of overhype in him, but I can understand it. He had a very good game, and people are just assuming that's his level. We don't know. We don't know if that's his level. I'd imagine if that's his level, he would have been playing a long time before now, because if he played like that every week, he would have... It, they would have had no option but to play him before now. Um, so I, I wouldn't be considering for, for Thursday. I know Schwinn deferred, but I know he thinks the same um, without putting words in his mouth. Uh, as I said, looks promising, looked very good yesterday, but uh, for me, nowhere near the team on Thursday, probably not even in the squad. Fuck me, you really are a fence sitter, aren't you, Schwinn? No, I'm not. I, I concur completely. Hey, you guys are not allowed to say that to me, at least today, after the answers you gave earlier. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, true. That um, privilege is only for Shri, apparently. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesus, lots of um, stuff on uh, the new, the new bloody bloke, Mephropan. Um Don Ozel. Excellent shift by the team against Man United. The dilemma now is do we start start on the front foot with Welbeck running at Godden over Mikatarian or Mavriparan with Kashani or Mavriparan with Mustafi? It's a nice dilemma to have. Let's see what Wenger, if Wenger cares. Schwinn? I think there's a question in there somewhere. Uh, we've <laughs> spoken about Dinos, so I'm not going to speak on that anymore. But Welbeck and Mkhitaryan, I think both of them will start. You know, I think Jack is the one who misses out. That is assuming that Mkhitaryan is 100% fit and, you know, as Arsene likes to call, not in the in the red zone. To play two games right, right off the back, you know, uh, once you're back from an injury, it doesn't really, you know, sit well with what Arsene has done in the past. So it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up on the bench either, if I'm honest. It's it's going to be a tough one. It's all about fitness. He did come off with a knock as well. But if let's assume for right now that he is fit, in that case, Wilbeck starts anyway, and Mkhitaryan slots in for Jack. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's a lot of hype on this kid, isn't there? After one game, uh, has anyone been watching him play the lower t- grades or what, Tony? Uh, I know I haven't. I know people that have, and some people are raving about him, saying he looked excellent. Uh, the majority of the people I, I've spoke to have said, uh, "Yeah, he looks okay. Like, yeah, he looked good. Not not stand out, but not not bad." 
I know uh, Jack, who's the plug AFC, I'm not sure what his Twitter at is, yeah. is a big fan. Uh, he's a big fan of him, and he's seen him in the youth team, I think, or in the under-23s, I think. Um, but the majority of people I speak to said, yeah, he doesn't look a level above that. Um, but then not many people do. I mean, it's, it's probably fair to say that Maitland-Niles hasn't looked a level above that this season. And the only player that really has is Reese Nelson, ironically, who didn't look the part in comparison to the others yesterday. So it is hard to tell, but the majority of people I, I know just, just said he's comfortable at that level. Um, and he needs a test to see what he's like at a level above. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd, lo- I'd like to really see a couple more games. Um, Vardy would be a really, really good game. Um, I'm not real sure what happened to Leicester with Crystal Palace, but, um, yeah, no, he'd, he'd be one that would really put him under test. So, um, Hakon, 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 Larson again. And press, press with Mafropanis tonight. Strong, calm. And good on the ball. I think he should start the rest of the Premier League games along with Reese, uh, Maitland Niles. They look good with the little pressure. Will they be valuable part of the squad next year? Uh, we top of touched on all that, didn't we? Uh, unless you got something to add there, Tony. Uh, no. No, no. I uh, really hope they worked hard and get many chances in the next few seasons. A lot of potential in those kids. So that I do agree. Um... Jonas, 82. Shaka had one of his less good performance recently. Is he one of those players who needs a world-class player beside him, Ramsey, to perform on consistent base, Tony? Uh, I wouldn't say so. He's been bad with Ramsey at times, and he's been good with Ramsey, and he's been bad with Jack at times, and he's been good with Jack. Uh, the, things that, the things that he's bad at, and not down to anyone else. I mean, sometimes you can say the defence is is underprotected, but with, with Granite, I, I just think yeah, he, it's helped having someone alongside him. But if he had someone alongside him, it, uh, sitting deeper alongside him yesterday, or Ramsey alongside him, it wouldn't have helped him track Pogba. And from from what I thought when I was at the ground, and even from what I've seen on the highlights, I think that was his only really standout thing that was bad yesterday. His tracking of Pogba. I think the rest of his game was pretty solid maybe on a 7 out of 10 sort of apart from that mistake and that doesn't you could have Pirlo Kaka Iniesta Xavi and and God sitting next to you that mistake is a purely Granit Xhaka mistake I don't think that is influenced by who he was playing alongside but I thought the rest of his game was pretty I'm not going to say exceptional but I thought it was pretty solid mm. um, boys there's a question that you can think about because I don't know if you've read all these threads but Jonas has asked and we'll come back to it what's your best Wenger moment at Old Trafford memory. So if you boys want to have a little think about that, and I'll come back. Um, Big Bad Wolf Schwinn. Has there ever been a better uh, debut by an Arsenal defender? That tackle that sent Lukaku home to bed was a thing of pure beauty. I'm talking about hype, right? I think... (laughs) There's a lot of hype around this kid. That worries me. It really does. It does, yeah, and I'm I'm in the same boat. I think it's also because of the connection with Sven, as I said earlier. You know, again, taking nothing away from from the performance, you know, it's difficult for me to pinpoint a better debut, and that's that's not because of the quality of the debut, but also because I'm not very good with my memory, so I don't really remember debuts off the top of my head. But 
you know, I keep coming back to the fact that this is, you know, embedded with Sven and this is his first signing. We've seen him in the flesh and more than Dino's, I'm excited about Sven, if I'm honest, because if he can spot these sort of diamonds in the rough, as, as we like to call them, then, you know, we've really got a massive asset on our hands. So I'm more excited about Sven than Marupanos, in all honesty. Um, we'll just see how he goes in the summer. I know he's signs. Um, uh, so he says, thanks, you stole my question. Colin McKay, uh, Tony, would you like... <laughs> Here we go again. Jesus Christ. Uh, this kid made a big impression, didn't he? Uh, would you like to see Mafropanis feature more more for the rest of the season as he did look promising today? Yeah, I'd, I'd like a, I mean, I said this earlier, but I'd like a good sample of games to be able to rate his ability. Uh, so, as I said, I'd start him for, I probably wouldn't start him next week against Burnley, just because I think the Burnley game is more about sentiment being Wenger's last game at, at the Emirates. So, I think he'll probably start a more, more players that have played under him more. Um, obviously, it all depends on what happens on Thursday. But I would I would start him probably in both of the away games against Huddersfield and Leicester. As I said, I think Vardy would be a really interesting one. And and look, three games isn't enough to tell you how good a player is, but it's a lot better sample than than one game. So I would like, as I said, I'd like to see it as a bit of an audition. I'd tell him probably now that if you don't get injured, you're playing this game, this game, this game, and then we can reassess where he's at. And actually, as fans, we can probably see where he's at. If he's excellent in all them games, then obviously we can maybe believe that this is his level. Whereas if he, he has a bit, maybe a shocker or, or a not-so-good game, uh, just a standard game, then we can say, oh, actually, we may have gone a bit over the top against United. But at the moment, we don't know because we're, we're selecting from a sample of one. It was a good bloody test, though, against United. Oh, yeah, look, I'm not saying that, mm. that he didn't have a good game. But you can't base a player on that. There's been Throughout oh, the years, there's been yeah. players that have had good games against United. And then you look at the rest of their career and they've, they're sort of bang average players. A lot of players have had good games against United before. Yeah, I agree. Um, big Bad Wolf, and I'll stick with you, Tony, and I'll, I will we'll go to you, Schwinn, in a minute. Uh, with us looking likely to be playing twice a week next season, eh? hopefully Champions League. Jesus, mate. <laughs> um, I hope you're right, Big Bad Wolf. Uh, no, even in Europa League, we'd be playing twice. Yeah, 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 we've got that. Uh, what would each of you do with the likes of Joel Campbell, Lucas Perez, Carl Jenkins next season? Use them as squad players or get rid of? Personally, I feel Campbell and Perez should be given a, a chance. Tony? Uh, Campbell, not for me. Uh, I'd get rid of him. Perez is a difficult one because, again, he looked quite good when he played. Maybe not up to the level we would expect Arsenal to be. But we're, as a club, not at the level we expect Arsenal to be. I think he's worthy of a chance. The issue is with him is, I think he's 29 going on 30. And it's a bit late to be given chances. So he's a tough one. But for me, I think Campbell uh, should go. And yeah, personally, my choice, I'd give, I'd give Perez a chance. But I would fully understand if a manager chose not to. Carl Jenkinson? I like Jenko. I just don't think he's good enough. Mm. Um, and also, he's one of them players, he's better when he's in a rhythm. And when he plays week in, week out, he looks quite good. 
And at Arsenal, he's never going to be the first choice right back, which means he's not going to be playing week in, week out. And, and he looks worse when he just comes in for the, for the odd game. Uh, so it's never going to suit him at Arsenal. So, I, so I'd get rid of him. I mean, if you think when he was on loan at West Ham a couple of years ago, he was like, the West Ham fans were, were saying he deserved an England call-up. And I, I don't know where he came in their player of the season, but he was, he was up there because he was playing week in, week out, and he got in a rhythm. Um, but he's never going to get that at Arsenal. So I think he is a Premier League player, uh, just not at Arsenal, unfortunately. OK. Uh, Schwin? I'm ditto, so we can move on forward swiftly. Oh, okay. Fucking fancy, doesn't it? Fuck, I'm quick to move forward. Fuck me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, personally, I will. Well, I'll, I'll answer Big Bad Wolf because I'll give you the respect, like unlike my uh, colleague here. Um, oh wow! Just rub it in now, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> I, I like Joel Campbell, um, and I think I really liked Joel Campbell at the last World Cup. That's where I fell in love with Joel Campbell, and I, I wanted him to succeed at Arsenal. Should he be given a chance four years later? Um, I, I don't know what what's he's currently doing online. I, I have, don't think he's ripping anything up where he is, but I know he has been injured. Uh, he's had more loans than any of us have friggin' jocks. Um, so I'd probably mm, now want to sell him. What I'd get for him, I don't know. Um, when's his contract up, do we know? No idea. Uh, Lucas Perez, um, yeah, look, let him go too. I, I just I couldn't find a spot in for him. Why bring the guy back um, to Arsenal to sit on the bench and rot for a whole season? If, if you bring Lucas Perez back, then Welbeck goes. Or there's, there's not enough, there's no, no position for him. Um, and Carl Jenkins, yeah, let him go as well. Um, now, have we got another thread, haven't we, of questions? So I'll just open that. Uh, Check or Ospina says Justin. From he's from down under with me. Uh, Tony to start against Atletico for the second leg. Uh, Ospina purely because we're going to have to be on the front foot and look for a goal which means we're going to leave space in behind and Ospina's quicker. Um, and they don't... I mean, they're they're not a crossing this... Ospina's quite weak from crossing, but they tend to not be a, a crossing-the-ball kind of team. Um, so for me, Ospina, although I still think Czech's a better keeper. OK, Schwinn, GJAFC, would you play Mkhitaryan or Welbeck on Thursday? Both, ideally, as as covered earlier. I think both of them provide attacking options that we will need uh, in terms of incision. Jack gives us more ball security in a way, but I think Welbeck's running power and Mkhitaryan's vision will be will be needed to, to open up Atletico. Okay, Tony, Dean Potter, do you think Ramsey will sign a new contract with us? Um... I've been saying no for ages and nothing's changed my mind. But for some reason, just because he's playing better, I've become more optimistic. But no, I, I, as I said, I, I just don't know. I know the whole thing about, about his agent and I've, told, I've been saying it for ages because I got told a long time ago. But it just seems like if you wanted to get it done, you'd get it done, whether you sign a pre-agreement or something else. I don't see any reason to wait till the summer, apart from it gives him more bargaining power. And I don't know if Arsenal will get into that. So unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. 
but I don't think he will. Okay, um, Schwinn, Red Fulcrum, uh, Wenger's already said that, that his job is not to select the next manager, but do you think Ivan and Co, and Co would ask, ask him for a little input? I'm sure they'll ask, uh, they'll, you know, get some sort of input, input from him. You know, just out of respect. Mm. Yeah, just out of respect. I, I mean, I, I don't think they'll pay too much consideration to it. You know, I mean, it, there's no there's no doubt that Arsenal and Ivan don't really see eye to eye. And when that's the case, you don't, you know, you don't want to really rely on someone. Not not that, you know, Ivan would think that Arsenal is not going to give him a, the right answer. But, you know, that, that that relationship seems sour at this point to me, at least. So they they probably asked him, but I don't think it's going to be anything of major importance when it comes to giving consideration to. Okay, um, and Zach just mentioned that uh, Mavro's the boot in the league, so I'm not real sure what he just says there anyway. Um, look, thanks everybody for your questions. I think we got through them all. Uh, so thank you everybody. You can ask us every time we do a podcast after a game at clockend underscore talk. Um, have you boys had a think about uh, Tony your uh, uh, Old Trafford moment? Uh, it's got to be winning the league. There, I know that there's a lot of comedy answers you can come up with this, and I appreciate them all. But in terms of the best memory I've got there is is Wenger lifting. I know we didn't actually pick the trophy up on the day, but Wenger lifting the title there, or Wenger celebrating on the pitch. We spent about 20 minutes of the game yesterday singing, "He won the league here." So. For me, that that's going to be the the one you the one we remember. It's got to be the one. Um, Schwinn, you agree, or you got something else to add? I mean, I agree, but just for the sake of you know a different answer, I'll probably just say Keown on on Madness Troy. You know, of course, it, it's not an Arson Wenger memory uh, directly, but of course, Arson was on the touchline. He was our he was our boss, and you know that helped us maintain the invincible record or, or you know reach an invincible record so that that's all something which is very special in our history yeah I, I top and knew somebody had mentioned about winning the league so I thought I'd um, throw one of them comedy ones at you <laughs> 8 to 2011 Manchester Judas absolutely smashed us um, that was just yeah stuck right in my memory okay boys um, now uh, quickly, we Europa League, Letico Madrid. Um, quick prediction, Tony, and a quick prediction on your lineup, mate. Uh, lineup for me: uh, Ospina, Monreal, Koscielny, Mustafi, Bellerin, Xhaka, Ramsey, Mickey, Ozil, Welbs, Lacazette. Um, so I agree with Schwinn. That'd be Schwinn's lineup before he answers. Um, but if one of them misses out, it'll be Welbeck for Jack. I think Mickey will play. Um, I think they would, may use they may use Lacazette's running. I mean, sorry, Welbeck's running power off the bench late on, because Atletico won't allow much space in behind. So, I think ten of them I'm pretty sure on, and then Welbs or Jack is is the one I'm unsure on. Ten um, nil in terms of scoreline. <laughs> right. Um, Schwinn. Uh, as Tony said, I mean, he picked the lineup, and I think it's spot on. Um, for me, you know, it's between Jack and Mickey, and not essentially between Jack and Welbeck. Of course, fitness, keeping fitness in mind. 
As for prediction, I want to say 2-2. I think we will take this on away goals. But I want to be generous today as well, just as I, as I was last week before we did our United podcast. And I'll say 2-1 victory to the Arsenal. Yeah, okay. Um, did you say Kashani in that lineup? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to change him with Chambers. I think Chambers did it. I, I don't think it'll happen, but I'd... I'd um, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Chambers for Kashani. Um, Wilshere, Mkhitaryan, obviously the unfortunately the the uh, irreplaced Wilshere. Obviously Wilshere on the bench. Um, Monreal, Bellerin, Mustafi. So this this kid's got so much hype though, but everybody will want him. You reckon he'll even get a bench start? He won't even get on the bench, will he? Maverick uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's not, and I know a lot of people are going to have fake outrage if he isn't on the bench. But um, as I said, I think Chambers was better than him yesterday. So mm. if you're going to have one on the bench, it would be Chambers. If you're going to have two, then he may get a place on the bench. But I, I don't know. Um, I think holding, especially with how he's performed against Costa before, probably sentiment takes part uh, will will play a part in that decision. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, true. Didn't think of that. Um, yeah, Welbeck as as like as that. Uh, prediction. I'll probably go. What do you say, Schwinn? Because I don't want to go with you. <laughs> Two one to the Arsenal. Fucking 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 fence sitter. <laughs> How is that fence sitting? Oh, I have no idea what yeah. you guys describe as fence sitting anymore. Two one. <laughs> I'll just. I'll gotta go. Um. I'm going to go 3-1, just to be different, <laughs> to the Arsenal. Okay, boys, um, it's been a pleasure. We will be back uh, after the Atletico game. I may not be back, but I haven't spoken to you boys about that yet, so we may have another host stepping in again. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You can follow us at, at clockend underscore talk. It's been a pleasure, boys. As thank always. you. Cheers. Thanks. See ya.